Super Talk Mississippi media production. Find your new ride at Kia McCombs all-new location at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Come find out why McComb loves Kia McComb at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Right on the corner, right on the price. behind this morning but glad uh, you guys are with me on this monday uh, delayed start i get uh, i get in this routine do this every morning same time and then i get called in to go do the gallo show so i appreciate you guys listening and being a part of uh, of this as you are every morning yeah, just a little bit later this uh, this morning than usual so anyway my name is michael borky by the way if you're a first time watcher listener whatever the case may be glad you're with me if you're on twitter don't forget you cannot comment on youtube or, or excuse me you cannot comment if you're watching on twitter so find it on youtube michael borky is the name that's all you need to search and uh subscribe to the youtube channel also like the video that would help me a ton follow on twitter and facebook and wherever you get your podcast mike in the morning or my name should turn up results there as well little bit of time with you and a lot to get to. First of all, I have I, I learned, I noticed this last night, but I did not realize that like real, actual people actually truly believed that on the 4th and 24, Tennessee got a first down there. I, I can excuse it from like like the Homer media crowd. You know, every, every beat's got one uh, where you got people that cover the team that just, just, you know, cannot do it objectively. And, you know, they think that, Mark Curls is crude, screwed Tennessee and almost excusing the bottles and stuff on the field after the game and all that because they think the call was incorrect on the coming up short on fourth and 24. I have learned that that thought extends beyond at least by one person, one that uh, is quite close to me in terms of work proximity, shared the airwaves with this person, not Richard Cross, process of elimination. Uh, that Brian Haydad thinks that Tennessee got the first down there. Um, I, I did not realize that people actually thought that that, that w- was incorrect. Video evidence clearly shows in that instance. I mean, it, it's inarguable. It, you can talk about the play being blown dead when Corral heard a whistle from the stands and stopped, thinking it was the a whistle from the officials and Tennessee you know, stripped him as he was just kind of standing there, like, what the hell's going on, and scored. Like, if that's the hill you want to die on, I hear you. Like, I'm cool with that. That makes sense to me. But how you can watch the the slow-mo replay, the clear video evidence, and come away on the 4th and 24 with Tennessee got a first down there, just blows my mind. It is clear as day. I mean, it's inarguable. You cannot argue against him being short in that instance. You can't do it. Ball was not in his right arm. It was in his left. The one angle shows where the football is when his knee hits the ground, and it's right above his waist, kind of right in his stomach, in tight, in the middle of his body. Other angle shows where the middle of his body was while his knee's touching the ground. It is inarguable that the football was in tight, right around his the, his lower stomach, 
waist area in tight when knee hits the ground. And that angle shows you that that part of his body is clearly short of a first down. There is no way that those angles in the replay can be interpreted otherwise. But, hey, I, I guess people have different eyes than me. I don't, I don't quite understand. That's not the hill to die on if you're defending Tennessee this morning. It's the other one. It is not at all the 4th and 24. That is not the hill to die on. It's the Matt Crowell hears a whistle from the stands, stops. They strip him because he wasn't moving, and they score a touchdown. There's your hill to die on, not that one. Miles says, the only thing that is atrocious about that call and review is that hundreds of millions of dollars could not get us a camera angle from the other side of the field. I I tweeted that. I think it was in the Auburn-Arkansas game where I noticed that. The SEC is worth hundreds of millions of dollars a year. SEC football, just football, hundreds of millions of dollars a year. And you're telling me we cannot put two stationary cameras for you need one on each side on the goal line we had a bad i think it was auburn arkansas there was a bad angle and you couldn't see no it's first down marker not goal line that moves with the first down marker you're telling me that we cannot have cameras that move with the line to gain on first down when you're worth hundreds of millions of dollars as a conference it was auburn arkansas that's exactly what it was Uh, But it it was not a touchdown, it was a first down. But since they had a bad camera angle, you couldn't see definitively whether or not he actually got it. Why why is that not technology that we have? I mean, it would have removed all doubt, although there is no doubt in the the Ole Miss-Tennessee instance. Zero doubt. It was not a first down. Clear video evidence that is inarguable unless you're wearing the thickest orange and white glasses that you could possibly wear. It's just not arguable in that moment. But to remove any doubt from like the handful of people that are dumb enough to actually think that it wasn't, um, why do we not have the technology that moves cameras along with the line to gain? I mean, hundreds of millions of dollars annually is the SEC. Two cameras, one on each side of the line to gain, and that moves with the line to gain down the field. Why is that hard? Like, it, that is not a tough ask, and yet here we are. So that's a good point. Yeah, it's nonsense that we have that. But anyway, I just, real quick, wanted to see if any of you thought that that wasn't, because people are dying on that hill today, and that is the wrong hill to die on. What you're here for, though, is the title. Ed Orgeron out at uh, at LSU, a mutual decision, whatever you want to call it. He was going to get fired at the end of the year. And honestly, I want to give credit, though, to uh, to Woodward, the athletic director there. Removing the possibility of a less mile situation, that, that's a smart move. Ending it now before, you know, maybe they beat Florida and then go to Oxford and maybe win a game. And suddenly now it's like, hey, you know, we got to keep him, but the program's not going in the right direction. And he's, you know, not a good person off the field and we really want to move on, but now they're winning games and and we can, and it just, you remove all doubt. You make that decision so much easier. You remove the doubt. You know, it's over. You know, you're replacing him. Hell, you've been canvassing candidates for a few weeks now. Just end it. Just be done with it. When you know it's over, let it be over. 
If you're in a relationship and you know there's no future, end it that day. It's the same thing I said back in the summer about old Mrs. Offensive Line Coach. If there's a toxic situation, end it the second you know that it's not going to last long term. The second you know, or else you're just delaying the inevitable and creating a more complicated situation for yourself. So I actually have to give credit uh, for for making that call when it was made uh, and not allowing any late momentum to change anything. And the only thing that I think is bizarre about all this is letting him coach the season out. I mean, maybe there's like a, maybe he asked for that to be the case, asked to coach the rest of the season out and going to an interim. There's really no real good reason to to do that. Also, you don't really have a clear candidate to be interim anyway. Um, In the past, we've seen the whole, hey, this guy's fired, but he's going to coach the rest of the season. Go poorly. I mean, did it with Houston Nutt at Ole Miss. He was fired early. The team just absolutely tanked. It's happened before. It, it We'll see if it happens here, too, and we'll learn very quickly in Oxford this weekend if the team is actually just going to completely fall apart without their coach. You felt like they were quitting on him anyway until Saturday. Uh, got a bunch of players out. They weren't playing well, getting physically dominated, all that stuff. You know, maybe they rally the troops and win games for the Gipper or whatever, but the more likely outcome here is assistant coaches and players are all looking for the next the next thing. Maybe they'll still work hard. Maybe they'll still put game plans together and really study film and all that, but everybody now in that program is thinking about what's next instead of and not like what's next as far as game, like what's next in life. All the assistant coaches, where's my next job going to come from? They're getting their agents to talk to other coach or other administrators and other agents and doing all that thing. Some players probably looking to enter the transfer portal, maybe wondering what's the point if our coach is fired, that kind of stuff. It just creates a weird, weird atmosphere. But I do have to give credit for, for avoiding a less mile situation where your team – somehow rallies around their coach and wins games, but you know it's not good enough and you know it's over, but now, shit, we got to keep him because he he won enough games and the team's happy and the fans are celebrating because we beat Texas A&M and now you're stuck. He avoided um, avoided being stuck. Yeah, Chase, I, I, I know what you're saying and I agree. I think actually the officials handled it the right way. He puts a rule in here from the rule book says when a ball carrier is so held that their forward progress is stopped when in question, the ball is dead. Had he ended his progress and two UT players had him in their grasp. Yeah. I, I, I don't think that was the wrong outcome. I really don't. Uh, and you could also argue that he quote gave himself up. I mean, in two ways was that play or could you argue that that play was handled correctly? I'm just saying, if you're a Tennessee fan mad today, that's what you should be mad at more than clearly coming up short on on 4th and 24. He was clearly, inarguably, there is no counterpoint. I don't like doing that. I mean, you know, I'm in the opinion business. I'd like to think I'm right. Everything I say is is the right thing, but I recognize that there's not, and there's counterarguments that are good, 
not in this case. I don't think there is a counter. It's just, it's clear as day to me. You cannot argue otherwise. The video doesn't lie. There's not, not opinion to be surmised from the video. It is what the evidence shows, and it's inarguable. But that's that's all I'm saying is if I were a Tennessee fan, that's the thing I'd be complaining about today, not the 4th and 24. Chase is always being allowed to finish the season so he doesn't flip on LSU to the NCAA in return. LSU will protect him. What I thought was bizarre during that press conference yesterday, too, among all of the bizarre things, uh, the whole he's going to keep recruiting to LSU thing. Maybe he does. Maybe he just loves loves Tigers so much that he'll just keep recruiting for the school, but we believe that. And if you're a recruiter, you're really going to answer the phone? Hey, coach, who just got fired by that school. What's up? Oh, you want me to come to that school and play for play play for who? Who, who am I going to go there and play for? Oh, well, you know, LSU just, uh, it, it's just perfect. It sells itself, and it doesn't matter who the coach is. You're going to win football. Like, that's kind of goofy, honestly. Uh, I thought that was the most bizarre thing in a very bizarre press conference where they all, it was weird. I would encourage you to watch it if you feel like it. Just the the vibe in that room when they were announcing why and uh, Woodward said it was only because they're not winning enough, but yet everything that leaks says there was more to it than just not winning. The whole not going to coach next year because he's paying me $17 million, but I'm also going to keep recruiting for the school while I'm still the guy. Just, just weird. Just really weird. I mean, I guess, you know, maybe that's why is they let him finish the season because he asked for it and they, they want to make sure that he doesn't help the NCAA in their investigation. I don't know, but I mean, if I were both sides, you know, maybe a clean split is probably for the best because conversations with recruits are I mean unless the kid is like a diehard LSU fan and that's all he's going to do I mean they have questions that can't be answered so don't waste your time I wouldn't waste my time they he shouldn't either I mean they're paying you 17 million dollars to not coach go to Bora Bora for a while just get out of here you know the Maldives apparently are are stunning. You can hit on any booster's wife in the Maldives with $17 million and nobody cares. So just go do that. It's weird. Whole thing's weird. But we had the reporting yesterday. And I find this so funny. I find this so funny that now, suddenly, now that he's been mutually agreed to part ways now that he's been fired officially now all these stories start coming out about wait maybe he's not a really good guy maybe he's doing bad things off the field it's all of this stuff has happened now it didn't just happen yesterday but yet now suddenly people are actually starting to notice that hey wait a minute oh hold on this guy's kind of a kind of a bum not a good dude like now those stories leak. Now that comes out. Oh, but the narrative two years ago, remember, because he was winning football games. Oh, changed, man. Oh, man. Just just completely changed. Flipped the script. Wasn't that what the book was called? Flipped the script? Somebody wrote a book about, oh, just changed everything. Learned so much from, from his past. and It's changed. And that was only written and talked about because he won football games. No other reason. Won football games. And now that he's not winning football games anymore, 
suddenly it starts leaking that he did all these bad things and had girlfriends at practice and their kids running drills with the team and hitting on boosters wives at gas stations in a really disgusting manner and oh guys don't forget about the the investigations the title nine stuff don't forget about that that all happened too like but if he was six and no none of this would come out that just that shows so much about about us and what we demand people if he was six and oh right now wouldn't be fired obviously none of these stories would be out Nothing would be written in The Athletic or in Sports Illustrated or anywhere about, hey, kind of being shady behind the scenes. As if that's new information, by the way. But because he was winning games, we had to push and push and push. And, oh, things have changed. Oh, this is different. This is this is the best. Oh, great. I mean, what a story this is. Changing the narrative. Flipping the script. And now, you know, winning games and suddenly it's, oh, man. Uh, lost himself. That's what he he lost him, lost himself, and you know just not doing good things behind the scenes. And so we we got to cut bait at a place like this. You know, an institution like this one. Got we can't have somebody like that around. <clears throat> Will Wade is uh, Will. Go away. Go get get out of here. Get we we can't have people like that in uh, in our program. No, no, this is not good enough. Those things leak only when he's been fired for not winning enough games. I mean, that's that's sports, right? That's sports. That's what happens. It's not unique to LSU, but I just I find that so rich that people now are suddenly starting to pay attention that, hey, wait a minute. All these things were going on and nobody told anybody about it. But now everybody knows. Anyway, candidates, forgive me for that. I, I just I think it's so transparent. And whoever's leaking it, is obviously purposefully doing all this, but all of these things, all of these bad things get held until you're not winning enough football games. It's a joke. Um, the candidate lists are interesting. So all of that being said, LSU is a top five job, and, and maybe that's even being conservative. It's one of the best jobs in America, a highly, highly, highly coveted job, a highly coveted job. Great place to coach football. It really is. Last three coaches have won national championships. You've got in-state talent that is just robust. You've got a big fan base. You've got big money, big atmosphere. I mean, it's it's freaking LSU. I mean, there's no other way to spin it. And I got asked last week, well, does the NCAA investigation harm that job status? Not to me, no. I mean, look at what Ohio State did through an NCAA investigation that got a coach fired in a multi-year bowl ban. It didn't affect them at all. LSU is that kind of a place. It wouldn't scare me away at all if I were a coach, truthfully. That's just me. It wouldn't. Um, in part because it feels like they might even skate this thing. But either way, uh, the candidate list is going to be robust. And it is. It's got big names on it. It's got high-profile guys, all of which I think would take the job. Uh, so who have they been so far? I've looked at all the the coaching hot boards and all that stuff. Um, it, it feels like. The most common ones are Mel Tucker, who's doing an excellent job at Michigan State, Jimbo Fisher, and I think that's real, James Franklin, Luke Fickle, Dave Aranda, Lane Kiffin's been on there as well. But uh, most of the reporting's been focused, at least it feels like, on those first four or five. It's Mel Tucker, Jimbo Fisher, Dave Aranda, James Franklin. Like That feels 
for whatever it's worth, it's still pretty early in the search, but for whatever it's worth, it feels like those are the most popular options, the ones that are being talked about uh, the most right now. I am a little surprised, honestly. I made this observation this morning. Um, I'm a little surprised that I've not seen Lane Kiffin's name more prominently in these hot boards, more talked about than it has been. Uh, even local media in Baton Rouge, I mean, yeah, his names are his name's getting put in there, but it's not it's not at the top, if that makes sense. I mean, the athletics board, all these coaching hot boards, he's low on the list. I'm a little surprised by that. Maybe that changes if he beats LSU this weekend and they start paying closer attention. I, I don't know, but I was a little surprised to see that uh, that he was not as high on that list. But if you're an Ole Miss fan listening, that's obviously a good thing. Um, him not being high on that list. And I don't think LSU is going to get past their first or second candidate. Whoever option number one is, and it sounds like there might be some differing of opinions between AD and university president who's not going to rubber stamp AD, that they're going to have some influence. So we'll see if that plays out exactly uh, how, how some people have said. I don't know. Again, I'm just canvassing what I've read about people who would know. Um if that is, in fact, the case, we'll see. But the first person that gets offered that job is going to accept it. We're not going to see like what happened at Tennessee. It's not going to go down like that. It's not going to go down like what happened at Auburn to me. They're not going to have four, five, six people say no first before they get to their guy. I think it's the first candidate. Whoever they offer the job to first will accept it. And, yes, that does include Jimbo Fisher to me. I think Jimbo Fisher would take the LSU job if he's offered the LSU job. I do. Uh, $90 million guaranteed contract aside, uh, if money is the only factor, Ed Orgeron was making $9 million this year. He was making $9 million. And LSU is a better job than Texas A&M. It's a lot less weird, too. Uh, they'll make sure the money's there. If Coach O was making nine. Jimbo can make nine at LSU, too, and it's a better job. What's fascinating about the Jimbo thing is the fact that he got his new contract to start the season, and there's still no buyout. It's a fully guaranteed contract if he gets fired, but there's no buyout if he leaves. It costs him or LSU zero dollars. How that is worked into his contract I mean, especially after you renegotiate it and given him a million and a half dollar raise this summer. You do it this summer. And you didn't add a buyout in there if he left? <sighs> Man, if I'm an AM fan, I'm squeamish today because I think he's gone. And I think that will look terrible for your program. You give a coach a 10-year, fully guaranteed, $90 million contract fully guaranteed and he still leaves you for a division rival that that's going to sting especially now that texas and oklahoma are joining the sec that's going to hurt them so bad i think that i think he would say yes i think lsu would get the money they have the money and they they could hire jimbo if that's what woodward and and his president if that's if that's what they want if it's jimbo he's going to lsu that's my guess that is what i think i don't know that for sure I think he would take that job. There's a reason he's in College Station, and it's Woodward, the now AD at LSU. Mel Tucker, I think, is an interesting uh, choice, and I think would be a really good hire. Uh, you can't ignore what he's doing at Michigan State right now. And I, I had somebody say to 
in a group message early this morning, why would they hire Mel Tucker? He hasn't won any big games at Michigan State yet. He's 7-0. He's a good recruiter. He's got a good coaching pedigree. Um, he's got an NFL background. Uh, he's been with Nick Saban. He's been with Kirby Smart. I mean, that, that would just make a ton of sense. I mean, he's he's got a great pedigree. He's known as a really high-profile recruiter. He's turned Michigan State around in two years. I mean, they're in the top 10. They're 7-0. and It would be a really good hire, and, and it would it would be a respected one as well, if that makes sense. A place that I don't think they really care about this. I mean, they've kind of shown they don't really care about this. But it would give some institutional credibility that they currently don't have, at least for people that are paying attention. Mel Tucker would elevate their credibility. I think he's got that kind of a got that kind of a, a name. I keep using the word credibility. He would bring that. People respect him. He's a well-respected coach. And uh, that would help elevate their profile as well. And I think he would win. It feels like it's those two. Uh, Daniel says LSU will get Cincinnati's coach, Luke Fickle. Um, he'd, he'd come down and win right away. Right. I mean, he'd come down and win right away. He's got the number two team in America right now. Um, but, I mean, is, is Dave Aranda a, a real candidate? We'll see. But I, I don't think this is going to be a search. I think it's a, here's my guy, here's who I want. That guy says yes, and it's over. Whoever they offer it to will take it. Not going to be one of those situations where, like, Tennessee pretends, like, oh, we had Josh Heupel was our guy the whole time in Auburn. Brian Harson was our guy. He was our guy the whole time. We didn't. We didn't offer the job to anybody else. No, it was just, no, it's not going to go down like this. What about Billy Napier, the coach at uh, Louisiana Lafayette? I I think Woodward's got too much hubris for him. I think somebody is going to get a hell of a hire when they hire Billy Napier. Uh, feels like he was kind of holding out, waiting for this job to come open. Maybe they do hire him. I don't know. Uh, but it, it feels like they want higher profile than that that they want a bigger splash. But, but somebody's going to eventually get Billy Napier, and they're going to get a hell of a football coach. No doubt about that. Kyle says, thoughts on the Ole Miss minus 10.5 line considering all the injuries they have on offense? Uh, I'm not surprised by it. That's, I mean, yesterday, I think it was yesterday, that uh, somebody asked me what it what I thought it would be. I said 7.5, 8, 9 maybe. Uh, the thing is they got number two. Even with the banged-up offense, and we'll see if anybody's able to come back, if Sanders is able to play, we'll see if Chase Rogers comes back. Um, maybe Drummond will be healthy by then, but they've got number two. And when you have a guy like him on your team, you know, at, at times it doesn't matter who you're throwing to. Uh, but no, I'm not surprised by it. There's still the idea that LSU won. They're still not very good, regardless of their win against Florida. And now they've fired their coach, and, and he's a lame duck. And No, I'm not surprised by it at home. Mm-mm. Especially with the way Ole Miss's defense played on Saturday night. Can't forget about that either. They played much better. So LSU will go the Houston nut route. How bad will that end? It never ends well. I mean, maybe this one's different. It never ends well, but... Do you think AM would have too much hubris to hire Billy Napier to replace Jimbo? No, I, honestly, I don't think so. 
That makes a lot of sense. And for all the joking I do about Ross Bjork, I, I think that that's a route that he would be fine going down. Uh, he should. My gosh. I mean, if you're Texas A&M and Jimbo does leave for LSU, let's just pretend that happens for a second. Why would you not? Uh, who would be better for you at Texas A&M that you could realistically get than Billy Napier? Somebody will put Lane Kiffin on that list, and you could not possibly fathom a worse fit for a person than Texas A&M for Lane Kiffin. It could not be a worse fit. He would step one foot in College Station and want to jump off the top of Kyle Field. There could not possibly be a worse fit than Lane Kiffin and Texas A&M. It could be a worse fit. But honestly, if you look at who their candidates could be at A&M, Who would do better? He's coached under Saban and Dabo. He's been winning like hell at a place that doesn't really win that much. He's got a great recruiting pedigree, a creative offense that changes with his personnel. Like he's not a one size fits all offense. Like he's able to have good offenses as his personnel changes. He'd be fantastic at Texas A&M, but these people with these big budgets have to go make a splash somewhere. Um, I stand for Dave Clawson. I don't know why people haven't hired Dave Clawson. Look at what he's got Wake Forest doing right now. Wake Forest, a tough place to win. They're undefeated, and they're number 16 in America at Wake Forest. But nobody calls Dave Clawson. I don't understand it. I don't understand it at all. Uh, but, yeah, that would be my first call. I would probably start and end my search right there if I were Texas A&M because I think he'd win there. He'd be able to recruit there. He'd get good players He'd have a good offense. He'd be able to hire a great staff. That That's what I would do if Jimbo were to leave. Daniel's asking if LSU hires Kiffin Napier to Ole Miss. Uh, it, it, I mean, may, things change in these searches. It doesn't sound like that's that's the most popular choice right now, which is a little surprising, but it doesn't sound like that'll be the case. But if that does happen to go down, uh I do believe that Billy Napier would take the Ole Miss job. Uh, it, according to people that cover it, and actually some things that I have heard, if for whatever reason Lane Kiffin didn't take the Ole Miss job, Napier would have, that that was expressed to Ole Miss through the back channels and all that stuff. Whether or not it's true, I don't know. That's just something that I was told by somebody that kind of would know stuff like that 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 was expressed behind the scenes. May or may not be true. But yeah, uh, there are a lot of Ole Miss fans that think if Kiffin leaves, they should just hire Jeff Lebby, and I wouldn't do it that way. He has not been a head coach yet. I would like to see that first, especially before you just hand him the job. Uh, yeah, that would be a great hire. I think he would win a lot of games and do great things if that were to go down. But it doesn't sound like right now that's something that fans need to be worried about. It really doesn't, which surprises me that he's not higher on these lists. But, I mean, everybody's talking about Fisher and, and Mel Tucker and, you know, Fickle and Dave Aranda, and, and that's really where most of this has stopped. Surprised by that. Maybe it'll, uh, maybe it'll change. So, Cocho out at LSU, highly coveted job, one of the best jobs in America, and it's just so transparent that now suddenly everybody's starting to learn about these things that are happening behind the scenes. It's just hilarious how now we are discovering that. And 
it hasn't always been known. Anyway, hey, joke's on me. I don't have $17 million in the bank, so whatever. Thank you all for tuning in. Sorry for being late today, but I appreciate those of you that uh, that uh, held on and and watched. Don't forget to subscribe to YouTube. Uh, I'd appreciate that. Like the video also, and I'll be back tomorrow at my regular time, 8 a.m. tomorrow. I'll be back, but in the meantime, you'll have a great rest of your day. Enjoy your week. Enjoy your week. There's a lot to get to this weekend. Uh, we'll see what happens. Anyway, y'all be good the rest of the day, and I'll, uh, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.